0: Go a little different on a Friday. It's a special occasion. You'd be hearing this tomorrow? Uh, even if the cats get it done, I doubt it for obvious reasons. But man, it's great when it's when it plays during a media timeout instead of like a 60 second timeout. Because then you, you get the build up a second time. And I remember the first time this song played in Bramage, I want to say 2011, when the when the place just went nuts. Maybe it was, maybe it was 2011. The Jacob Poland game. The place went absolutely insane the second time. But it raised the question, will the chant? whatever, ever die? Oh, there's dogs. Well, the chant goes back to 2010. I remember the first time it happened. Okay, dogs, get out of here. It's because it was a bad call, and the fans didn't need music. It was a loud chant. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna go anywhere. It's been around for 12 years. At least we get this once a year. Whatever you're doing tonight, keep it on repeat. Throw in some other songs from the basketball soundtrack. Every time we touch that song, good chance you could hear that on tomorrow afternoon. A lot of those technical, uh, techno-sounding songs or e- EDM or whatever. The house music, all those sub-genres. I just watched the, the music video to that, by the way. It's a weird music video. It's like somebody's stealing this briefcase or like taking it away from bad people that are dressed in these red vests. And then um, the lady runs away. There's two people in vests running after her trips on some railroad tracks drops the briefcase. They got her at gunpoint. Do these bad people. Well, then one of the two bad people turns face kicks the other kicks the guy in the head and runs off with the briefcase with the good girl. It was a really cheap action movie. Is what that was. Low budget. But I think the song is like 20 years old at least, right? Sage, do you know?
1: I don't, but uh, I can look it up.
0: I am I am on it. <laughs> uh, 2000, so it's 20 20- Going on 22 years old. but we've been hearing in Bramlage for 12 years. Something like that.
1: I mean, it's it's a hype song. It gets you, oh, for sure. gets you excited.
0: Even f- those that are not a fan of the genre will admit, yeah, it's a banger. It's it's a good one. It's not too bad. I might have to throw in, uh, when we come back from the next break, I might have to throw in another uh, one of those hype songs, you know, when uh, the opposing team takes a timeout, I get to announce timeout. Kansas. And uh, then we get more of that hype music. Might have to play one of those songs when we come back. Uh, but we're not taking a break yet. Sage was a little trigger happy over there. She almost fired it, fired away on the break. No, uh, we got to get to Mitch Palm. Go ahead and play what the people want.
2: You've heard of Ken Palm. Well, f- that guy. Here's Mitch Palm with tonight's prediction
0: tomorrow afternoon's prediction but you know used to be gone on Fridays now not so much number 7 Kansas unranked but ranked 63rd in the net KSU Wildcats Manhattan Kansas Bramlage Coliseum expecting a packed house and it's going to be fun but what Mitch Palm does just like Ken Palm but a little bit more accurate Crunches the numbers, figures out what really is breaking down this game and what's going to be the final results of this contest. So let's get to it. Kansas is 15-2 on the season. They are 4-1 in the Big 12. Where they have slipped up, they lost to Dayton. You might remember that was in a neutral site, and that was uh, like a banked-in shot at the buzzer. That lost KU the game and then, but Dayton stormed back. I and mean, you got to give credit to Dayton on that one. Now, the other loss was a, uh, a convincing win for Texas Tech and Lubbock. And that place was insane. But Kansas, they are led by a couple of guys that have been around the program for quite some time. They have been loyal to head coach Bill Self. And that's Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown. And they are right now both top five in the Big 12 in scoring. Ochai is at 20.5 points a game, which is 13th nationally. And, man, has he really improved with his three-point shooting. He is 47% from three-point range. Christian Brown is averaging 15.5 a game, and he's shooting in the mid-30s. But, man, as a team, Kansas is shooting 50%. You can't ignore that. That That's a great number. K-State right now is 43%. Kansas, they are the best three-point shooting team in the conference at 37.4%. K-State is third best. And that might surprise a few, especially after the last couple of seasons. K-State has found themselves third best in the Big 12 in three-point shooting. But they're three percent behind. But they are the best three-point percentage defense in the Big 12. They are right now fifth in the country is K-State, holding teams to 26.4%. Here's another fun fact. Now that does – it's kind of so-so, right? Like KU had given the advantage, right, with Mitch Palm, would give it the advantage in three-point shooting, but also give K-State an advantage in the three-point shooting defense. K-State's better at one thing. KU's better at another thing. It's going to be a good clash. Both of these teams have hit exactly 137 threes this season. And that's in the same amount of games, 17. So I, Mitch Palm is calling that a push. Three-point shooting is a push for these two teams. Now, KU does have the number one scoring offense in the Big 12, but they are last place. In scoring defense, they give up sixty-six points a game, which you know does sound like a no low number. That is eleven points worse than the top team in the Big Twelve, but they make up for it with their amazing offense and their scoring. Let's get to famous alumni. They do, uh, Mitch Palm does give um, kudos to KU, but it kind of balances them out, though, right? Kind of cancels cancels it out. You know they're fifty-fifty because of their. Uh, Last place in scoring defense. Famous alumni. Here we go. Where does Mitch Palm find the significance in KU's famous alumni? Gonna start with Paul Rudd, famous actor, good-looking man. I think People Magazine just recently called him the sexiest man alive, or something like that. But Mitch Palm is like, ho, ho, ho. Here, let's let's pump the brakes for just a moment. What is he most known for? Being an actor. Being funny. Well, Mitch Palm did a little uh, little deep dive on Mr. Rudd. And guess what? Sixty percent of the time I guess he's not funny all the time. Because on IMDB's top comedies of all time, Paul Rudd isn't in, in a single movie in the top thirty. Weak. Weak. Next famous alumni is Bill Brahm. Bill Brom founded Brahm's. I know there's a lot of you out there that enjoy that restaurant, right? The ice cream is fantastic. You know, and the food, the food's not too bad. I've had a burger from there one time. It was good. Bill, I, I don't honestly know if you're alive, but uh, where's this Brahm's in Manhattan? Where is it? We've been waiting years. We get calls all the time at the station. Hey, when's that Brahms coming to Manhattan? Well, we don't have an answer. Another thumbs down to Kansas. The final famous alumni uh, is Perry Ellis. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second, Mitch Palm. Wait just a second. I think this is something we need to double check because this is kind of showing up on the radar of fake news. Is Perry Ellis really an alum of KU? I'm pretty sure he's still on the roster. He's a 12th year senior. Let's see here. Let me do a little research here. Okay. Perry Ellis. Okay. I don't need fading hairline. We don't need that. Um, Well, it says here 2016. I think I might have to put an asterisk by that. And it says he's currently playing in Japan. Well, I don't have any sources in Japan. Hmm. I'll have to give Mitch Palm the benefit of the doubt here. Harry Ellis on the famous alumni. but (sighs) I'm questioning it. I'm honestly questioning it. I'm not sure if that's true or not. Guys, you would would be surprised just kind of how even these two teams are in certain categories. Both K-State and KU averaging 36 rebounds a game. From the free throw line, K-State is slightly better. 72% as a team. KU is 70%. KU averaging... 12.5 12.5 turnovers a game. K-State is at 11.8 turnovers a game. Here is, uh, I think, what it really breaks down to, according to Mitch Palm, of course. Let me crunch the numbers one more time, just to make sure on this Perry Ellis thing. I, I need to make sure it's not a typo. Here, let's... Uh oh, it's still there. It's still there, okay. All right. Mitch Palm says a big factor here is we know K-State's offense is, you know, it feels like it's limited to in the 60s. The K-State defense, we know it's amazing. It cannot allow KU to get into the 70s. And KU has only scored under 70 points three times this year. And that's in 17 games. However, those three games who has scored under 70 points have come in the last four games. Has come in Big 12 play. And K-State has shown oh, they've taken on these jabronis in the non-con and beaten a lot of them. They also play great defense in conference play. Yet K-State offensively has only scored above 69 points five times. All of that in non-conference play against Non-Power 5 opponents. k state has to find a way to keep KU in a low-scoring bout. They're going to have to go 12 rounds. Don't get too crazy with the Haymakers. Bruce Weber mentioned it in the first hour in The Best of Bruce. They don't want the the environment to hinder the team. Because most of this team has never, ever played in an environment like they're about to witness tomorrow afternoon. But K-State's defense is good enough. And if they don't allow K-State to be or allow KU to be good defensively, they can win this game. Ken Palm says K-State has a 29% chance of winning. With the final score KU winning in Manhattan 75-69. Mitch Palm didn't have the didn't have the courage to pull the trigger and say upset against Texas. But guess what? Found some courage. Disagrees big time with Kinpom like the Texas game disagreed big time. Mitch Palm says K-State gets it done. A 69% chance of winning this one. And the final score, Cats win 68-67. That's Mitch Palm. Satisfied? I hope so. I crunched the numbers. You heard it. That's what Mitch Palm has to say. All right, coming up next, really excited for this one. Of course, coming up here in a few moments, you'll hear your number one song of the day and Ask Us Anything. Sage has been working hard the last hour and 23 minutes to come up with some real bangers when it comes to questions. But up next, if you remember the gimmick two years ago, we did Where in the World is Baylor in Newell's Ballot? Jesse Newell himself is going to answer that question when we come back. Apparently, Sage felt that the game needed more cowbell. Appreciate it. A little BOC bringing us back to the game on KMAN. Cats and Hawks tomorrow, 3 o'clock for the tip-off. That means pregame starts at 2 here on KMAN. We will also have K-State women's basketball coming your way. That's tomorrow at 1 o'clock for that tip-off. That means pregame 1230 hosting number 14 Oklahoma. Again, The game on Sunday and then uh, Sunday evening. Is uh, Kansas City Chiefs football divisional round of the playoffs as they host the Buffalo Bills. Five thirty kick pregame begins at four. But it's now time to speak with KU beat writer Jesse Newell, the Kansas City star. And, and Jesse, I'm going to quickly remind our listeners that uh, it was two years ago when Baylor was, you know, and still is, but back then, you know, insanely good. Should be at the top of everybody's leaderboard. You didn't exactly have Baylor at the top of your AP poll every week. John Mason and I, we caught wind of it, and it turned into Where in the World is Baylor and Newell's Ballot. Uh, And then we turned the, uh, well, the theme song became the theme from Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. And it became a weekly bit. People thought maybe you're disrespecting Baylor. Some would think it was appropriate. But since we have you on the show now, we got to ask the important question on everybody's mind since I announced that you are coming on the show.
2: Yeah! Tell me where in the world is Baylor in Newell's ballot. It's a good question. Uh, I've gotten that from a lot of people, including uh, Auburn fans. They wanted to know where in the world Baylor was, too. but uh, Baylor was second. Uh, yeah, I know that doesn't really have what a lot of people think, especially after Baylor drops back-to-back games at home. But, uh, I, you know, I consistently do the same thing every week and look at some of these advanced rankings. And what they would have told us is that, you know, what Baylor's done over the course of the season has been good enough to kind of put them in a different tier with Gonzaga that even with those two losses, that – Uh, They didn't fall that much. And I think you saw this week, you know, they bounced back on the road against West Virginia, got a win, uh, kind of played back to the level of uh, the team you'd expect them to. But, you know, we'll see what happens next week. Arizona's making uh, some progress on them, and then obviously Kentucky's got a game coming up against Auburn this weekend. So we'll see where it all lands. But that's the reason Auburn was still number two in my rankings. Usually mine are the ones that uh, don't overreact to one- or two-game samples, maybe more so than other people out there. But that's the long explanation to the short question. Uh, where the Bears ended
0: up in my ballot. You know, it's funny. The way you base your ballot is obviously off – it's kind of different. You know, not so much wins and losses going off some of the numbers, like by possession. It's kind of a Ken Palm type of thing. I do a Mitch Palm segment to kind of bounce off that and get – it's a way of giving my predictions. But I was looking actually at your bio on the Kansas City Star website. Are you into creating your AP poll because going back to your dad being a math teacher?
2: You know, I think it's uh, – I mean, that's what led me to numbers.
0: Yeah. But,
2: you know, Ken Palmer has had a lot of good discussions on this topic over time. And people don't really want to hear this, I guess. But anything we want to accomplish, we could probably set up a computer for or set up a formula for. Uh, and, if, you know, people that say that the people should be resume-based, I hear you. That's fine. Uh, if, if that's what they wanted to request us to do, that's totally cool, too. But we have a, a, a ranking for that, too. It's called Wind Above Bump. And Auburn right now is number one in that. Wisconsin is number two. And everybody out there, uh, you know, who says, hey, you should look at what a team has done this season, wins and losses. You know, we can basically create that. Uh, I I think the main point is this. You can look at it two ways. You can look at it two ways. Um, Either are you voting the most deserving team, which is the team with the best resume? Are you voting the best team, the teams that would be favored over another team on a neutral court? So, in my mind, I just got to the point where it's like, look, if, if you're ranking the best cars, you're not saying, well, this car won this race last week by this. No, 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 you're just, what are the best cars? What, what are the best teams? And so um, the way I do it, people say that results don't matter. Well, actually, they, they matter more. I'm, I'm looking at all the possessions. You know, I'm, I'm looking at all 70 possessions in a game and judging teams that way based off of what they've done in all the possessions rather than just, hey, the 15 to 17 wins or losses every season team has had see so It's a different way of looking at it. I understand that out of the 61 people that do it, I think 60 other people do it a different way, but I'm fine to have the discussion and talk about what I'm doing and, and why I feel it's okay. And like I said, uh, the AP hasn't booted me yet, and I think that they're probably just fine with somebody having a different opinion.
0: Well, I know I was a part of the gimmick two years ago. I just want to say I have no problem with it. Do it the way you, you see is fair. And uh, I, I think it's totally fair with the way you look at it. We're speaking with Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star, Kansas Jayhawks beat writer. So uh, you were mentioning Baylor as obviously we were bringing it up with where Baylor is in your ballot. But over the years, we keep saying the Big 12 is, is getting better and getting better. You've been covering KU basketball for a long time and the Jayhawks right now top of the standings. But the Big 12, how just in your words solid is the, the conference right now?
2: Yeah, and I, I guess. You know, two years ago when you did the Baylor thing, I guess that was when I didn't have a number one, right? Or I yeah. just kept Kansas number one. So it's funny how this method plays out. And This week I'm way higher on Baylor than everybody else, and then I was way lower, so it out even over time. But, no, this this, this league is crazy. I, you know, honestly, probably one of the teams I feel worse for is a team like K-State because in a, quote, normal year, they'd be getting a lot more attention for what they've done and how they've exceeded preseason expectations so far and done better than what... Basically, anybody could have expected from them, or, or most people would have expected from the going into the season, but you just can't tell because the Big 12 is so good. You know, I mean, if you, you look, uh, K-State and T C are probably at the bottom of the conference. Um, they're in the 50s and 60s in, in these advanced rankings. And um, the thing that stands out to me, and I posted this on Twitter earlier this week, but right now Kansas ranks 35th in adjusted efficiency defense. That's worse than the Big 12. It's the worst defense in the Big 12 is a team that's ranked 35th nationally. Man, how crazy are these defenses? And I think you have to give credit to Texas Tech and Mark Adams and what they did a few years back and, and going to the no middle, you know, keep it on one side of the floor, aggressive help, all those sorts of things because that trickle-down effect has now gone throughout the entire league. Baylor copied it, Kansas copied it, Iowa State copied it. You know, so many teams have done that. And what you have now is a conference that probably – be completely candid with you, five or six years ahead of the curve when it comes to college basketball defenses. I'm sure everybody will be doing this in five or six years just because of the success it's had so far. So um, overall, the conference, you know, the Big 12 is ranked really high in some other years. This might not be the best, best it's ever been, but, you know, the strength is in the depth. And like I said, the fact that a team like Kansas is at the very top of the standings, is going to go on the road to K State, and be going to be, what, a five point favorite, that lets you know that really there are no guinea games in the Big 12, and, and that's really where its strength lies.
0: No doubt, and that's obviously the big reason I have you on today is the to talk K-State KU tomorrow in Bramlage, and you brought up the defense, and I was kind of looking at the numbers last night to figure out, you know, where does KU lack talent? Is there anywhere that you would consider a weakness for the Kansas Jayhawks right now, Jesse? Would it be somewhere like the five spot?
2: Well, you know, they've been inconsistent at the five spot all year, uh, but Dave McCormick has come on lately. It seems like Bill Self is giving him a longer leash, and whether it looks like it or not. you know He can be frustrating to watch for fans and coaches alike just because sometimes he'll get the ball and drop it or he'll have an easy layup and miss it. But, you know, overwhelmingly what he does on the defensive end, is being a big body in there and affecting shots has been good for Kansas and, and how they set up their defense. You know, the, the point guard position has been a question mark and Remy Martin has kind of been in and out and in and out of the lineup with his knee injury. But, you know, the other thing I will say about that is I would say the biggest we can find out for Kansas, as they've entered Big 12 play, has been turnovers, And that, to me, is, I mean, that's the question of this entire game. Because I've gone to a lot of games, KUK State, game. and when the crowd gets going, and the defense gets to and you know Bruce Weber's team is going to play with so much energy. Well, can you have the composure to go through that. Because if you look, early in the season, they were one of the best teams at avoiding turnovers in the entire nation. And lately, in the Big 12, they've been turning over basically a fourth of their possession over and over and over in almost every single game. So uh, that's the big question mark I have for Kansas. Can they take that sort of pressure, that sort of fan base, that sort of intensity that K-State is surely going to bring on Saturday, and they, can they overcome that and not just turn the ball over and give K-State a bunch of easy layups on the other end? Because that would be my biggest concern for Kansas. It's been a concern, and they haven't been able to correct it the last four or five games. So walking into brain lunch like at this point, it might not be the best timing for the game.
0: Speaking with Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star, Remy Martin in the uh, the preseason, I saw his name pop up and he's transferring to KU. I was like, man, that is an excellent pickup for the Jayhawks, a transfer out of Arizona State. Lately, though, he's been dealing with kind of a knee issue. He, he That happened in the Nevada game, right? And he even missed a couple of games and came back in the OU game. Uh, would you say he is 100% right now?
2: No, I don't think so. Um, it's closer because he just stood out a couple games. It seemed like they were hesitant. Or he was hesitant, whichever party it was, to get back in there when he wasn't full speed. He kind of tried to play on it at ex-tech when he lost that game and it just didn't look like himself. So, you know, it's kind of touch and go. And the way Bill Self describes it, it can be good in one practice and then not feel great the next day. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting thing with him. And um, the whole Remy Martin experience has been sort of interesting for Kansas because it did seem like a great fit in the offseason. Uh, but Remy was sort of, is sort of a free spirit. He was a guy who was allowed it Arizona State to kind of do what he wanted jack up whatever shots he he liked and at Kansas he walked into a team with four other really good players returning starters who have had success in a system-based approach mostly and uh, a coach who is you know wanting things done his way and at least nothing else wanting plays run right when he uh, explains them in practice and and maybe sometimes just struggled with the playbook and struggled to kind of play within the confines of what Bill Self wants him to do. So there's been some back and forth there. Uh, He did at least get back in the last game against Oklahoma. But we'll see. I I don't think Remy Martin is at full strength when it comes to his knee. And I also don't think he's at full strength when it comes to just practice time and knowing uh, exactly what he's supposed to be doing out there and probably like his limited minutes against the Sooners. So uh, in that way, KK might be getting a little bit of a break for Kansas because when Remy's in and at his best, he adds a different element to them, especially in transition that they don't have without him in there. I expect him to play 10 to 15 minutes, but you know if he goes 20, 25, if he goes 30, I'd definitely be surprised. He's, he's definitely not completely back to what he was early in the
0: season. Got a couple more for you here, Jesse. Um, right now, the Jayhawks have two players in the top five in the Big 12 in scoring. Obviously, a great shooting team. But Ochai man, I, I tell you what, his, his first three years with the Jayhawks, solid player, but how incredible. Like, when it comes to just improving from those three years, has Ochai Babji been here in this season?
2: Yeah, him and Christian Brown both. Uh, last year, they biggest issue, and you could read like stories on it, was that they couldn't get by anybody off the dribble. You know, Christian Brown and Ochai Baji were basically spot up shooters, and you know that made it very easy for defense to just kind of walk in on them on the perimeter, make you beat, make them beat you off the drive, and it just didn't happen that often. Both of those guys. He deserves so much credit in one offseason. They have become completely different players. You go back and watch the end of the Iowa State and the Oklahoma game when KU needs a bucket. They go to this, basically a driving play for Ochai Baji and he delivers both times. And it's not a, it's not even a play they would have dreamed of drawing up for him a year ago because that, he struggled to dribble. I mean, I mean, I'm just being blunt. He couldn't dribble the basketball. And now they're running uh, sort of like iso-type plays for him to go get to the basket at game point. And so, yeah, he has he taken himself to a different level. Um, make no mistake, though, I mean, the three-pointers are, are what makes him him, and then obviously transition when they get out and run, um, finding him in transition and, and him taking off in that area. Uh, both him and Christian have elevated themselves in a different way there, too. So, yeah, he's a dangerous offensive player. He hurt um, kind of the outside of his wrist against Oklahoma, came back in the game. And was fine toward the end, but something to watch. He should have some tape around it, and uh, I'm sure it hurts him a little bit. He kind of banged in the scorer's table, but uh, if he's himself in that game, you have to guard him on three point line, and and once you do that, and then really commit yourself to that, you know, he can beat you off the dribble as well. So he's becoming much more complete player, just in one off. All
0: right, Jesse, we can wrap it up on this on the spot question. The game is in Bramlage, and Bramlage is clearly, when it's KU in town, a hostile environment. It's by far the craziest the octagon will be all season long, especially, you know, it was just over a week ago. K-State was 0-4 in the Big 12, and now they've beaten a couple of top 25 teams. So there's momentum, and the fan base is into it right now. So it's going to be crazy in Bramlage on Saturday. You've been to Bramlage many times, but you've also been around the Big 12 in other areas. What is second place? To Bramwich Coliseum when KU shows up?
2: Um, that's a good point. And, 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 to you know, I know it's a little bit of a leading question, but I, I, I 100% agree with you that Bramwich is the best for KU atmosphere. And Iowa State fans get very mad at me when I say that, but I it, it, there's nothing close. Um, n- nothing that close. Iowa State, I would say, number two. It's close if. But Iowa State fans don't like KU. K State fans hate Katie, once was what. So that's the difference. I mean, it's like anger versus vitriol. But I would probably put Iowa State second. Um those fans are always ready and and they experience some things with KD's players that uh, are usually pretty entertaining too. But nothing tops Manhattan, nothing nothing tops Bramwich. And so that's what makes this game so fun and why there have been so many fun matchups over the years I think because I think not only does K state be off that energy, but sometimes when K gets rolling they can start to speed off the energy as well, especially when they get a lead in those games and potentially can do some things for Chester
0: Brown. Yeah, if I had to guess, I would have guessed Hilton Coliseum without a doubt. And I'm glad you confirmed that. So, Jesse Newell, the Kansas City Star, beat writer for the Jayhawks. It was a pleasure to finally speak with you, and I'm sure we'll see you on Saturday.
2: All right, appreciate it. Thanks.
0: That's Jesse Newell, Kansas City Star, beat writer for the Jayhawks. And we'll take a break with number 1 song up next. I thought this song was fitting for tomorrow. Cats beat two top 25 teams right well. If you thought that was impressive, I think you know where I'm going with this. 1974, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet by BTO. Bachman Turner Overdrive, just one week at number one. Go ahead and turn it up. I want to hear this. All BTO from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. They formed in 1973, also known for the song Taking Care of Business. Randy Bachman was originally in the Guess Who, leaves that band, and then a few years later forms Brave Belt with his younger brother Robbie. It ended up turning into Bachman-Turner Overdrive when they were down to a three-piece. The band sold 30 million albums worldwide and they're known by their fans, or their, uh, they call their fans Gearheads. It's because BTO, their logo, is a gear.
1: Uh, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. In 2014, BTO inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. Ten studio album, 6 top 40 hits. This is their only number 1, and it's from their third album, Not Fragile, or Fragili, however you want to pronounce it. So the lyrics of the song, they tell, I guess, the story of a singer meeting a devil woman, I'm quoting there, who you know, gives him love, and the chorus of the song includes the song's famous stutter, and speaks of her looking with those big brown eyes. I mean... The research I did with this song it almost kind of feels like it was just one big joke because the original intention wasn't to put it on any album and they used this song to test levels in the studio this song? this song and of course it's known for the stuttering in the song that's Randy Bachman who sings baby you ain't seen nothing, nothing yet I maybe butchered that a little bit but well Mr. Bachman Randy wasn't planning to release a song with the stuttering vocal because he sang like that to make fun of his brother Gary who has a speech impediment
1: that's just mean
0: and during microphone checks he would sing it with the stutter and recorded a version that was not with the stutter but the record company heard the stuttering and they're like no we want that version we want that version adds a little kick a little spice to the song so that's what happened and then miraculously Gary stopped stuttering
1: he it, did that on it, purpose
0: <laughs> so the by the way for those that are maybe uh, grammar snobs you will notice that the song of the title is incorrect when it comes to grammar grammatically incorrect because it's a double negative
1: well and ain't isn't a word
0: You know, that's what people said, and I heard that a lot growing up. Is it really not a word? I'm going to Google it. It might be now. It (laughs) does show up in the Google Dictionary as a (laughs) contraction. Of? Uh, Well, it says just like am not, are not, is not. Ain't.
1: Yeah, so you wouldn't say amped. You'd just say ain't.
0: Ain't. Also like has, has not, have not, also ain't i suppose but okay. yeah, hey it's in the webster it's in the uh yeah webster dictionary
2: okay
1: it's in I'll, there I'll, it's it's a word i guess
0: so shout out to my uh my first grade teacher god mrs sullivan telling me ain't's not a word she wasn't the only one kindergarten second grade
1: you grew up. With. I heard
0: the fort say "ain't," and they stomped me out. i are like, "No, that doesn't fly at Morganville Elementary. That is a forbidden word."
1: In your face.
0: Where am I at here? I uh, okay. Uh, if you uh, maybe not so much a fan of this music, maybe recognize the song, but you couldn't quite pinpoint it where you know it from. You might know it from an Applebee's commercial that came out just a few years ago. It gained a lot of popularity. Got some spins on, uh, extra spins on Spotify. Showed up on Apple Music, like Top Songs or whatever. In Canada, the single also reached number one and it earned him a 1976 Juno Award for best-selling single. So unlike, oh, uh, Philly C and Genesis, they actually had a number one song in their home country and also won an award.
1: Well, it's shocking to me that people only know this song based off a an Applebee's commercial.
0: <laughs> I, I mean people your age.
1: I know this song. I've known this song for well, years. Well,
0: you are more cultured than your peers.
1: That's that's definitely true.
0: <laughs> I'm more cultured than people my age. Okay. I don't know, is that cocky to say? I like am I gloating? I mean, I
1: yeah, maybe a little, but might as well.
0: <laughs> I mean, I used to do this show with somebody my age and also somebody more your age. And of course, I stomped them to smithereens when it came to anything like this. I don't know. I grew up listening to rock and roll music, love movies, love TV shows. I'm not like into celebrities' private life. I don't I couldn't care about that, but I I respect the talent, especially music, especially with music. I think I could go out there and act.
1: You think you could go out there? I and don't think it's
0: that hard. Get
1: a movie?
0: I don't know about a movie, but I maybe, you know.
1: Like a little commercial or something.
0: My hair's not long enough for a shampoo commercial, but... <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe I could do some shampoo. It's long enough. I look like a beetle these days. Let's do... Uh, you know what? Uh, well, ugh. what do you think? What should we do here? Just roll on?
1: I mean, we can take a little break and come nah, back you know, or do you want to let's just forward?
0: roll on let's just keep going you, are you ready to go yeah
1: i can go right
0: now <laughs> all right you're here in sage williams i'm mitch fortner and uh sage has been working away for a couple of hours to pick up some uh good ask us anything questions i've not seen them i've not heard them so i'm excited go ahead
1: all right so uh firstly i think one that we all kind of think about now is
0: firstly a word
1: Firstly, I think is a word.
0: I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, okay. You challenged me on ain't. Firstly, it's showing up. See,
1: it's a word. <laughs> I think uh, firstly, uh, Second, something that we okay. all, all kind of think about. If you could have any superpower, what would it be?
0: Ooh. Man. I think I'd like to fly.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I think for me... Um, I want to like stop time or like freeze time, oh, well, go in it, and out kind of thing.
0: I, is, would time travel be considered a, a superpower? I think. It Are could there be. any superheroes that can time travel? I have no idea.
1: I don't know either. If there's any mainstream time travelers, I mean, besides Marty McFly.
0: Uh, let's see. Uh, Wave Rider, I guess, is a is a DC oh. guy that can time travel. Okay. I don't know him, though, so I, I, I guess I, I don't really consider it a superpower, so I'm going to stick with flying.
1: Okay. I, yeah, I think for me, it's just like I'm always stressed about time, so might as well just freeze it, unfreeze it when I
0: want. Can the flash, <laughs> can the flash time travel?
1: I guess if you think about it, like he's saving a lot of time by getting places quickly. <laughs> hmm. Then uh, what is the longest you've gone without sleep? And why?
0: Well, if you want to go back to that twenty ten K State KU game. So the the day before, stayed up all night. Stayed up all day the next day, the game the day of the game to do right. game day and all that. If I were to add all that up, I mean it was probably a good forty two hours. Oof. I stayed up with all that
1: that's that's way too long for me see i get too tired i can't go more than like 24 hours like it's really hard for me
0: to <laughs> stay away oh, it was a grind like friends that were in town they wanted to go out and do stuff i was like man we just lost i'm drained <laughs> i i don't i, I ain't got it i gotta go home yeah it's time to sleep
1: okay that's fair that's fair so then uh one more okay what do you buy way more of than most other people?
0: I don't know if I have a good answer. Um I still buy CDs.
1: I do too. I like collect them. I love CDs. I don't
0: really have a collection. I've slowed down like I haven't really bought any lately. Mm-hmm. Um the last one I bought was last or, uh, in 2020. I'm trying to think of a... I, I, I kind of stockpile on things sometimes like deodorant. Okay. If I see a good deodorant sale,
1: Might I'm well going to buy 10. 10 at once? Oh,
0: I, I got an answer for you. Popsicles.
1: Pop? Why popsicles?
0: I love popsicles. My girlfriend can uh, attest to this, but it's not like the popsicles on a stick. I like the popsicles that are like the plastic tubing. Mm-hmm. They're like, like a ruler type of thing. Right. I go to town on those. I could eat easily, thirty in a day.
1: Thirty popsicles. I've done it before. Ugh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if I could do. What what flavor? All what of flavor them. We... All of them. My favorite. Even like the like the pineapple one. My favorite's
0: or... grape. I, okay. I grew in. I grew to love the pineapple. I didn't like it as a kid. Also the banana. Banana's okay. all right. Banana. I grew into it.
1: I can't do banana flavored like anything. Like besides just a banana.
0: Can you do like uh like. Ranch or like dill flavored things, like sunflower seeds.
1: Ranch is fine. Dill, no. Not really, isn't I, I really that.
0: like dill potato chips. They're pretty good. Like Lay's? Yeah. Mm. They're okay. tasty. <laughs> uh, is that it? We're uh, yeah. Okay. That's it. All right. Um, we'll call it a day. The mood we come back with on Monday, to be determined. But I'm hoping super happy. Cats, Hawks, tomorrow at three.